we're all about turning a crappy situation into something positive. A quarter million dollars of credit card I debt. I still remember the day when no one turned up. Throw it in the garbage and start from scratch. I could give myself a chance, so I started something. I mean, I think that counts as from poop to gold. <laughs> Hi, guys. Welcome back to From Poop to Gold. I'm Daniel Harmon, Chief Creative Officer at Harmon Brothers and your host. And my guest today is Rebecca Parham. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Rebecca has a really cool YouTube channel mm-hmm. that is very um, animation focused. Yes. And it's called Let Me Explain Studios. That's correct. And to kind of sum that up, a lot of it um, really has to do um, with kind of short little stories, many of which come from your own life, right? Absolutely. Yes. You incorporate a lot of humor with that. Mm-hmm. And um, is this all, I, I do have to ask, is this all your own like creation when you do these animations is it like beginning to end all you or do you have other people helping you out well from the beginning absolutely it was just me um it was actually very recently i think the last two videos only where i brought on somebody to help me and i just wanted to get into a financially responsible situation to bring on um some of my friends who i know out there in the industry who are amazing at what they do they went to school with me they're great with traditional animation which is the the type of animation that I work in and they could pick up my art style and get the the humor and flow of what I do pretty well because there's a difference in storytelling online and uh, and storytelling for like a major motion picture or a TV series and the internet kind of has its own humor it has its own pacing and you know memes and all that yeah and so it's really beneficial to get someone that you you know is online who understands the the way things are online and can pick up on that and implement it into your own work because that's where your work is. Yeah. So that's where your audience is. So it was really great that I happened to find my friend Megan who was in a transitional period where she had just left the company that she was working for and she was going back home to Florida. And I was like, hey, why don't you come and work for me? <laughs> you know, uh, why don't cool. you do some stuff for me? So she, she for the last two videos, she's been doing some storyboarding for me. So, but most, of the, but before all of that, it was just me. Oh yeah, yeah. which is a lot of them. Like, how many videos do you have up now? I have sixty-one videos, and so wow, yeah. <laughs> and these are like to give to paint a picture for our audience. I mean, we're talking five minute long hand-drawn um anywhere from like four to ten minutes yeah Yeah. okay yeah Yeah, they do get longer yeah they do um but 2d hand-drawn animation Mm -hmm. we're not talking 3d or anything like that no no um which is very cool um kind of geeks me out a little bit um for some of our audience will remember or and maybe not but i was actually um applying for the animation program at the school i went to at byu i didn't end up getting in it was a very you know um kind of it was a very competitive, competitive uh, school to get in. And you really thing, yeah. needed to be really good at drawing, like drawing all the time in a sketchbook. That wasn't necessarily me. I like to do it, but um, it, it's evolved since then. But it, essentially, you've um, got an animation background from school, like you mm-hmm. mentioned, right, in storytelling. Yes, yes. Um, uh, you said Florida, right? Florida, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Ringling College of Art and Design, a computer animation major. And they required a portfolio as well. Like they, you had to have some basic understanding of drawing and the principles of art and everything like that. Although before I got there, I hadn't animated anything. I, yeah, yeah, the first time I animated was actually in that school. So thank goodness they didn't like require that. Yeah. (laughs) And all like an already existing demo reel of animation, but, um, it was a crash course and I call it the, the boot camp of animation because it was probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, especially because I was not the best drawer anyway. 
and I was far from the best person in any of my classes. I had people, they were like mega stars in my class. Yeah. And, you know, you had to kind of like learn to not be intimidated by those people. You had yeah, to learn to I, take I inspiration from uh-huh, them, you know? Right. So and, it's, it's and, hard to have that mentality when you're there in that moment. Exactly. Yeah. But I did find my niche. I found my niche in storytelling and, you know, that would translate to storyboarding in the major studios. And so I knew how to market myself when I did leave school. I recognize that I'm not like the best generalist in the world. I can't like light and model and texture and animate brilliantly like some of my friends could, but I had a foot in the door somewhere with my skills in storytelling, yeah. but uh, it it didn't end up going that route. I never actually went and applied to the major studios. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So how was, how was the journey to where kind of finding your artistic groove and your voice where you are now on your YouTube channel? Like walk us through that. Cause you were going through school and stuff. Well, how, how did, how did you also be like, you know what? I'm just going to throw some videos up on YouTube. Like, hmm. Step us through that process. Well, so I actually made my first YouTube channel in 2006. So way, way back in the day. So I had a taste. Early, early days. Absolutely. Like um, I had a taste of YouTube in late high school, early college. And I would, you know, post these uh, animated music videos where you just edited together like some clips of your favorite animated shows to whatever music or sound you had. And that, no, I got a lot of traction on those old videos. Like, I think I got 200,000 views on one of them. And people, my family, my friends, they were so impressed by that. You know, they didn't necessarily like like the video itself, but they loved the fact that I was putting something out there and I was getting attention. Yep. So that was kind of like that first spark of, hey, maybe I could do this. But okay. then no one was getting paid to be on YouTube and yeah. and be a YouTuber. The partner so, program didn't, didn't even exist. Exactly. So, so you know, of course you've got to take the realistic route and, and go and try and get a job in animation because that's realistic, right? Right, right. <laughs> but, um, you know, because I had to find the best school, try to get into the best school so I could have the slightest chance of getting out there and actually being a Disney Pixar DreamWorks artist. And... So So this is posting even prior to your official animation education. Exactly, Mm -hmm. yeah. Before I even really came to terms with the fact that I could do animation, I was originally going to go out and do theater. So I went and studied theater at a local university for a year and decided this is not for me. This is not going to work. And finally, someone in my family suggested why not animation? Because you're already doodling, you're already drawing, and you love cartoons. Like, you're obsessed with cartoons, Becca. And so my mom looked online, found Ringling, and... I thought it was going to be the hardest thing in the world to get in. Like, that was going to be the hardest thing I ever did. That was not nearly as hard as actually staying in Ringling and actually, like, surviving Ringling. Because that was easily the hardest thing that I've ever done was just making it through that program. But you you do leave a much stronger artist out of that. But but anyways, back on uh, the YouTube question. I think it was my summer, the summer before my senior year of school, where I was supposed to be zeroing in on my senior thesis And I kind of had put YouTube to the wayside because I was too busy with this amazingly intense college program. And so I came back to YouTube that summer and realized that it was going through this renaissance. Like people were making a living doing that. They were going to VidCon and all of these amazing opportunities were opening up for YouTubers. And I saw that and I said, I want to do that. I mean, like this creative freedom, this, this, you know, being your own boss and, and making the content that you want to make and you own all of it and you're the one who gets pushed to the front. And it's just like, it was something that has never, you know, felt like it never been done before. And to an artist, creative freedom is the holy grail oh, yeah. of what you want. 
I think every artist on this planet would just love to just upload something online, anything they wanted online and make money off of it, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I mean, being a YouTuber, that's not entirely true. You do have to think of, you know, what your audience wants to see, but it's still, you know, I make the decisions of what video I want to do next, how I want to tell my story and, you know, the moral of the story that I want to add and just... It's, it's amazing creative freedom to be on YouTube. So I saw that my senior year of school and I thought to myself, I really want to do this, but I had been brainwashed to believe that I was prestigious. I was going to Ringling College of Art and Design. I was supposed mm. to go and, and apply to the major studios and be this big Pixar artist and all that kind of stuff. And everybody around me, I thought they would probably think YouTube was a step back. It was... It was trashy, you know, yeah. it was beneath me and my skills. And I didn't, I did not see it that way. Not at all. Like you I was, it was so, an oh, absolutely. I was so excited about the opportunities that it was presenting, but I knew my school would not approve. My teachers would not approve. My friends would not approve. Yeah. And some of them didn't like in the very, very beginning when I would, you know, ask them, say, what if we did this? They'd say, that's crazy, Becca. Yeah. You're crazy for wanting to do that. Sure. So, yeah, your, so your it, story isn't unique in this regard when it comes to artists, yeah. how, how they viewed YouTube. But it's 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 almost funny because, you know, as artists, they were told by their parents and their friends, you'll never make a living as an artist. <laughs> like, no, you're crazy for going to animation. School. And here they're turning around and being here like, they're turning around <laughs> telling me that YouTube is, is a crazy idea. Yeah, the irony's thick. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty thick. <laughs> so um, so but it was seeing that renaissance where I felt like. This is something that I could absolutely do. And I even kind of gave it a trial run. Um, I did this. We had a senior thesis show at the end of our senior year where we had to show off all of our thesis and all our family and friends were invited. It was in this big auditorium. And the tradition every year was to make these sketch parody things the based around movies that had been released that year and that were popular. So, you know, we had like Wreck-It Ralph had been... Uh, released that year so we had like a lot of Wreck-It Ralph themed things but also Les Mis had been released that year the movie version of Les Miserables with Hugh Jackman exactly okay, yeah yeah and so me being the singer of my my school I did this parody video of you know these miserable ringling students to all of the music to Les Mis and it felt so much like a YouTube video it felt like a sketch comedy YouTube video that was really popular back in that time and when it played in this big theater of my friends and their families. It it killed, killed it, killed it. I mean, like people were like roaring with laughter, yeah. and and I got like a huge giant ovation at the very end of it. And that was an even bigger push of I could do this. Yeah, yeah. I could make these things, and I could actually make it. And when, it didn't even have to be animated, but I understood the humor. So there was always that dream, always that dream. So when I went back to to home to kind of like rework my portfolio. But, and again, it, this was the pipe dream. So I was still thinking I needed to apply to the major studios. Yeah. So I went back home to work on my portfolio, strengthen it some. And my mom and dad are entrepreneurs. You yeah, know? yeah. So they have their own companies and everything like that. And mom and dad, it's just, I was raised seeing them be the bosses. Yeah. And they had these pie in the sky, blue sky, uh, ideas of where their children could go and what they could do yep. so they came up to me and said becca you don't need to work for the man you could be the man uh -huh. <laughs> and so uh, within a blink of an eye my dad had signed me up for my own llc we'd come up with a name and suddenly i was a businesswoman when i had no idea <laughs> 
what I was doing. It's the best way to start. Exactly. Just with no just idea. Exactly just no kick idea. kick you off and go for it. <laughs> it's like, go for it, Becca. Here's, yeah. here's your LLC. Yeah. <laughs> so I was terrified back then. But, you know, it was a step closer to that whole YouTube dream. Like, yeah. It wasn't exactly, you know, an, a company to make YouTube videos. It was a company to do freelance stuff. So yeah. I had, like, clients coming up to me doing some, you know, educational stuff for kids a lot of advertising. And then in the meantime, in between client work, I would work on my videos and I post them to YouTube. Your little passion projects. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, that's great. That's an awesome story. So this podcast is called From Poop to Gold. Mm -hmm. You might have already captured this in your story. So forgive me if you did, <laughs> but very much we want to capture a time in your life or career where you kind of went from the lowest of the lows and overcame with with a high like when you've taken that poop and turned it turned it into gold what what comes to mind for you in that oh regard? gosh it's such a it's such a dramatic story um the, th the thing about the thing about the the param children is that they've always had to stumble first before they've skyrocketed to success so you know every single one of us had it and mine was that i failed my computer animation class in school. And the way Ringling's curriculum worked was that if you failed one of your major classes, you were kicked out of the major entirely. And oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, I was... One, so on one, the whole... Basically, your whole major hinges on that one. Es essentially. Like, uh -huh. we were t I was taking, you know, a handful of major classes and then some other uh, core classes. And I was doing great in all my other classes except for this one where we were just learning the software Maya. Oh, and yeah. I'm familiar. Was, yeah. And I was just, I was not handling it well. I could not like figure it out to save my life. And I was also grieving the loss of my grandmother who I was incredibly close with. Yeah. And, and so it all was just this storm of not being able to correctly function and being in this program that was just super hard. I just, I, I, I failed, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I had to wait half a year to get back into the major and repeat that semester of my sophomore year. And in the meantime, I went and I got my uh, minor in business of art and design. And we called them the BOAD kids because business of art and design. And they were super supportive. Like it was just this, this group of girls who were just like completely supportive of each other and believed that anything could be accomplished. And they were all just this big, super great cool. group of friends that they, they brought me in and they thought, Becca, you are going to like do wonderful things. Awesome. So they picked me up, they dusted me off, and I felt very, very empowered to get back into the major. And I excelled after that, you know. And But that's not even the biggest um, poop to gold instance, because immediately after I graduated um, from Ringling, something called the post-Ringling depression hit me pretty hard. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <And> Sounds <laughs> like it's something that occurs with more people than just you. <laughs> oh, well, it, it's, it's funny almost because I will talk to my friends who graduated the same class as me or graduated the year before, and they will have seen my Draw My Life video where I officially name it the post-Ringling depression, and they're like, Becca, yes. That's exactly it. We didn't have a name for it, and but we all went through they it. We all felt it. Yeah, wow. because it's just this it's this crash that you feel because Ringling would build you up and say you're going to do these amazing things. You're going to work for these giant studios and you're going to work harder than you're working here. And so you graduate and especially at that point there was like a dry spell for jobs. 
Um, and so you get out and it's so hard to even just get an internship at one of these places. And so many people felt like they weren't living up to the expectations that Ringling had put upon them. Oh, yeah. And I mean, me going back home and what, starting my own business where I wasn't, I wasn't even able to pay the bills yet. I was still, you know, depending on mommy and daddy. Sure. Like I absolutely felt like the biggest failure in the world. I didn't want to be on Facebook anymore. I didn't want to like contact my friends because I felt so embarrassed of where I was. I mean, I even had that one friend who I told him, yeah, I'm doing my own business and I want to be on YouTube. And he just flat out called me crazy. Yeah. And that like at the, at that moment, it crushed me Yeah, because he was one of those people that I absolutely admired and he was going to go off and do great big things. Yeah. And it just, yeah. Yeah. And so it just, it felt like the lowest of the low. And I felt like at any moment I would just lose my mind. I would snap. And then then my father died oh, and I'm sorry. Wow. you would, you would think that that would have been the thing that would have been the thing to push me over the edge and, and really just make me lose my mind, just slip into depression. But in a way it wasn't. In fact, it almost worked in the exact opposite way because suddenly I could just let the floodgate of emotion go. Yeah. I could be as sad as I wanted to be. I could tell people I'm scared. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. And people would tell me, Becca, don't, you don't even think about all that. Just grieve. Don't think about your career. Don't think about anything. Just grieve and do your best. And it was like this, this idea that I could just step back and, and let everybody know I'm not okay. I'm not all right. And that's what saved me. It was like pulling this pressure release valve in my head Mm. and that's essentially what got me out of the post-ringling depression, which is is crazy. If you really think about it, it's, it's insane to me that something so horrible could actually save someone from depression. But it was in losing my father that I realized that when you live through something that you were so terrified of, like I, I one of my biggest fears at that time was losing my parent. And when you live through that phobia and you come out okay, you realize the world is not as scary anymore. And you think, why not? Yeah. Why not do this? Why not go and reach for my dreams? Because you, you, you gain a new perspective on what actually matters. So I didn't care what my school thought anymore. I didn't care what my hoity-toity industry friends thought anymore. I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And so that was a huge push. And that's, that actually just made me stronger. It made me more solidified in what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go. And then finally, YouTube took off. And here we are. That's awesome. Yeah. Please tell me you have made a video of this. (laughs) I think my Draw My Life is pretty much exactly this. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, That's great. Thank you so much for opening up and sharing that. That's very inspiring. So if I can, Mm -hmm. create a process. What is a typical end-to-end video look like for you in kind of a um, kind of a Cliff Notes version of that? So it's, it's basically, it starts with an idea. I write it down in my phone, on my computer, in a, in a, on a piece of notebook paper, you know, anywhere. And it just kind of starts to form um, how I would tell it to like a friend or a family member over dinner. At, yeah, it's like know, we're talking know, now kind of or back something. And forth yep. thing. And the, the jokes just kind of write themselves, you know? Yeah. So then the next point is writing the script. 
and you get a pretty decent idea of what you want to do. You get some good jokes in there. And then you go into the store, into the sound booth and you record. And a lot of the really funny stuff happens in the sound yeah. booth. Cause you know, you, you improv. In, in the moment, you improv things. Like I've had some of like the, my best moments come out of improv or just in the moment feeling I need to start laughing maniacally here. Yeah. And it really brings the video full circle when you have that, that element of spontaneity. And so I'll record all of that and then I'll put it into um, my editing program and I'll get it to where the audio is locked down. Yeah. So I have an idea of how long the video is going to be, how long, like what can go, what doesn't need to, what needs to stay. But um, so once that's locked down, I start, I chop it up into pieces and then I just start storyboarding and keyframing and animating and yeah. And these days so it's for great. Some people but, that yeah. don't know. So okay. storyboarding, basically creating um, an image of like what's going to happen in a particular scene. Right. A very R- rough, loose very image. Rough, because yeah. cause typically you want to keep it rough and loose because they can be thrown out and changed yep. easily. So there's that. But in order to really save on time, I typically will storyboard and keyframe at the same time. And keyframe basically means deciding what the most important poses in the animation are to correctly convey the 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 emotion the the action the intent to the audience right and it can be two frames it can be two drawings it can be three just whatever is necessary to get your point across yep so and they're the most important poses because they're what you base all the rest of the drawings on yeah so so if i'm going to take a drink of water you're gonna have a frame of me grabbing the cup Mm-hmm. Another frame of it up at my mouth drinking and exactly. then putting it down or something like exactly. that. Exactly. Uh-huh. That, that, that was perfect. Good uh-huh. job. Yeah. <laughs> and the in-betweens are what happens in between those poses. Yeah. And in-betweens can be everything. It can it can change the acting. It can change the pacing. But, but most importantly are the keyframes. And with well, the way animation on YouTube works is you don't have too many in-betweens. You kind of try to push a pose for as long as you possibly can. And that's actually a very old thing that, you know, uh, directors like Chuck Jones used to do. Like Chuck Jones was the inventor of holding a pose for as long as you possibly can and getting the most out of it. So long as that pose was expressive and emotional and got exactly the, the right point across. And he was, you know, the a brilliant person when it came to expressions. Yeah. So I take a lot of inspiration so from Chuck Jones. Chuck Jones that. being the guy, the animator the Looney for Tunes Looney Tunes. Tunes. Okay. Yes. Just, I, yeah. I was, that's what I was remembering is that he did Looney Tunes, <laughs> but yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a student of the old masters. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I, I feel like there's something so charming and so nice about those older those older works and you know yeah. they they had like they had teams and everything but they were still working with a shoestring budget and making the best out of it especially the looney tunes guys but i think there's something so timeless and evergreen about the old stuff that just yeah. kind of rings true even to this day yeah and that's what you want on youtube when it comes to animation you want something that's evergreen yeah because we we in animation we can't be trendy we can't be meme y we can't right. like in the moment make a video that is supposed to be viewed right here right now and nobody ever wants to come back to it you know right. we we can't do that so we have to be evergreen we have to make something that will last forever and that people will want to come back to it yeah anything cool you have coming up that you'd like to tell our audience about um well about? i mean I, i'm i'm doing my last and final vidcon recap because one of the traditions on my channels is i did do an animated vidcon recap of you know my trip to vidcon okay and 
they, you know, I think this one is like the the grand finale one. It's my first time being featured here in the United States. And I think it's just a good note to end it on. So this is going to be like a big old grand finale show for VidCon. But um, mostly I just say I've got some secret projects up in the works. And if they come to pass, I, I hope they, they come into fruition. But just a lot of stuff I can't talk about right now. But it's... It's going to be a lot of fun. Stuff maybe even beyond Let Me Explain. Mm. Or all still living on Let Me Explain Studios. Oh, pretty much on Let Me Explain Studios. Well, so guys, that's where you want to check out Rebecca. She has awesome work. Um, Her animation's a lot of fun. Great storyteller, incorporating comedy. Really relatable and endearing stories from your life um, that are in there. And like you said, some fun music things and and stuff you've got going on. But let, Let Me Explain Studios on YouTube. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank you for really having me. Really appreciate it. It's, we've it got was a, amazing. We've got a gift here for oh, you goodness. from our clients. So some oh, fun stuff in some, there. Some words that I can't say because it's <laughs> no. not brand friendly. Uh, no, no. no, it's, it's oh, totally fine. And then oh, um, here's a copy gold. of our book from Poop to Gold, oh, that's which amazing. covers the three creative, the three pillars of Harmon Brothers of creative culture, creative processes, and creative partnerships. That's incredible. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Very inspiring stuff. Love your story. Love that you've just gone out and done it and like, and made it work even in spite of everybody just being like, you know, that's not the way to go for an animator, you know, but Mm -hmm. you know, if, if you, if you want to be an entrepreneur at the same time as an animator, you can do it. You've, you've proven that. Absolutely can. Yeah. You, You can do anything you really set your mind to. That's right. Okay. Thanks again, guys, for listening and for watching. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe, and we'll see you on the next one.